Uh, this morning, um, we have the privilege of having Kevin Steger preaching. If you, if you weren't with us a few weeks ago, he preached at Scarlet City. And Kevin um, is one of, the, one of the most interesting people you'll ever meet. Um, he served as an executive pastor, leads a global uh, mission, church planning work. Um, but one of the things about Kevin that's so refreshing is every time you hang with him, he loves to talk about his family. And so I think that is, really expresses uh, his heart, even though he's invested in so many important things that the home is, is really important. So you join me in welcoming Kevin back to preach. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate that. The reason I talk about my family is because they're the best thing about me, quite frankly. There's not much to say about Kevin, but when I think about Elizabeth and Jacob and Ashley and Lily and everybody else, uh, there's a lot of good stuff. So as I was preparing for this morning, um, you know, I'd like to tell you that for the past month I've been prepared. Well, no, for the past week, uh, as I've been thinking about this morning, There's one thought that continually came to my mind, and that is, I wish that every biblical truth was an easy one. Do you know what I mean? That the spiritual truth was so easy that it wouldn't create any kind of struggle in my heart. Or more importantly, that it wouldn't create any struggle in my behavior. But that's... Not the way with biblical truth, is it? Biblical truth, God's truth, is intended to shape us. It's intended to challenge us at our very core because the thing that you can never change about ourselves, even once we come to Christ, is the fact that we are still, well, unfortunately, most of us are still self-focused. Even the best of us at times become all about ourselves. And the very nature of God's word, the very nature of biblical spiritual truth is the opposite of that. And so when you interact with biblical truth, it should feel a little, you know, it should make us cringe. Sometimes when we think about our own hearts. Well, this morning is one of those kinds of truths. In many respects, the idea that God values human life in such an incredible way, in ways that frankly is very hard to explain, just how much he values you in your life very difficult to put a a number to that, to quantify that in any way. But he values human life above all other life. And so that truth will lead us to some sticky situations. It just does. As we interact with our culture, with our society day to day, that biblical truth that God values, greatly values human life, even to the point that he says it is holy, 
human life. It will lead us into some difficult places. And I'm one of those people who believes firmly that when you come to a biblical truth that is kind of tough, it's easy to just say, oh, I'm not going to deal with that one. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pass over that one and deal with something that's a little bit easier. But I don't do that. I don't think that's what we as teachers of God's word are supposed to do, quite frankly. I think we're supposed to deal with the challenging truths, with those biblical truths that cause us to say, man, I've got this wrong. I have to adjust. I have to change. So thinking about human life for a moment, I, I want to just... Um, uh, say not even human life, just in general terms. I want us to think about uh, these things will be on the screen here for us to sort of guide us through this discussion. You can answer me. Matter of fact, I'd love to hear a couple of responses. What is life? How do we define life? Anybody? You guys are all really with me here. It's obvious. Tell me, how do we define life? Respiration, the fact that we're taking in air, right? Absolutely. What else? How do we define life? What separates life from death? Growth? Yeah. Heartbeat? I heard something else. Okay. Anything else? It's animation, right? The fact that there's something... You know, we're not exactly the same from moment to moment. That sort of separates us from something that's dead, right? There's movement. There's growth. There's pain. There's joy. There's struggle. All of those things go into helping us understand what life really is. The next question is, where do we find life? And I'm going to take you through a series of possibilities uh, the first one is, next screen for us. Where do we find life? Is life found in the ability to think, to cognate? Is that where we find life? Is it just in the ability to think? Uh, you guys remember this movie? It's called Ex Machina. Alicia Vikander played this uh, sort of a, um, well, it was a robot, basically. But she had this incredible ability to into it to learn. Does that sound like a current social issue today? Artificial intelligence? You know, we get freaked out because, uh, you know, we're thinking about something, we're talking about something together. Uh, Alexa's in the background, and then the next thing you know, you open your Amazon app, and boom, there it is, the very thing you were talking about. Have y'all ever had that experience? Yeah, I have. Artificial intelligence. Is life simply found in the ability to think, to cognate? There's part of me as a trained educational psychologist that says, yes, absolutely. The ability to think is what separates us from the rest of creation. Really? I mean, now you have... A few 
lines of digital code that can think. All right, let's consider the next one. Is life found in the ability to feel, to emote, that there's something deep down inside of us as human beings that we actually have feelings, emotions, and, and we can express those emotions? Is that where life is found? I think about some of my premarital counseling sessions that I've had over the years, and we talk about love. And it just blows my mind how many young people still think that love is an emotion. You know it's not. Love is a commitment. Love is an action. The fact that we feel doesn't necessarily separate us from the rest of life. I'm convinced that Annie, my golden doodle, has feelings. I mean, aren't you? How many pet owners do we have? You, you guys know your pets. They have feelings, right? You can hurt their feelings. Okay, uh, let's see. Come, let's do the next picture here. I think this is a good one. Oh, yeah, you know this. The character Spock in Star Trek is one of my favorites because he constantly was on a search to become more what? human. He wanted to become more human because you see, he wasn't human. He was Vulcan. Yeah. So he wanted to become more human. And in his understanding, the way that he could become more human was by becoming more emotional, being able to share his feelings. And that's what a lot of our society today says about human life, that that what really makes us human beings is the fact that we have emotions and that we share our emotions with each other. Is life found in the ability simply to reproduce? This sort of goes down to the scientific explanation of what life is. The basic scientific explanation, you can go to the next picture for me, of the, oh no, there it is, yeah of the cells that are reproducing, right? That's really how a purely scientific approach to defining life would start. It would say the ability to reproduce itself. That's what life is. Well, what I want us to do now is to change our thinking for just a moment. And let's consider what God's Word, the Bible, tells us about human life we will find some very important truths about human life from God's Word that absolutely should inform our opinions, our political views, and our behavior. So I want to share with you from Psalm 139. This is a psalm that is attributed to King David. King David, as you know, was very human, right? He had his times of greatness and he had his times of not so great. Kind of like you, kind of like me. And in those moments of not so great, he went to the Lord to seek forgiveness. You remember he said that beautiful thing, create in me a pure heart, O God. Knowing that it is only God who can do that very thing. 
And so David says in the 139th Psalm, beginning in verse 13, he says, God, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. So David confesses to God that I know you created me. When you and I get to that place in our life, when we confess to God, God, I know that I am not here by accident. I know that you deliberately created me. That changes everything, my friends. It changes the way we respond to people in our lives. It changes the way we approach each new day. When we understand that that very day has been ordained by an almighty God. I want to point out four truths to you. Biblical truths about life. The first is that God created life. God is the one who created life. You know the creation story, right? Uh, Six days he created the world. Plant life, animal life, human beings. On the seventh day he rested. God created life. Now, when we think about the fact that my life is not just an accident, that my life is deliberate because God made it so, shouldn't that change what we think about ourselves? Shouldn't that give us a sense of self-worth? I would hope so. The fact that God, the very God of the universe, created life is such good news. But here's the part that's attached, second part attached to that same truth is a little more difficult to deal with. And that is that life is God's to give or to take away. Life is God's to give or to take away. You notice in Psalm 139, David actually said, Lord, every day has been ordained by you. Every day of my life has been ordained by you. When I was first pursuing theological education, I prided myself on being a a free will guy, believing in the fact that you and I as human beings had free will. Man, the longer I study the more I become convinced that God has ordained it all. He is providential. To me, that just...
encourages me to understand just how much God loves me. And I am grateful for that. The third truth I want you to think about is the fact that life is holy. Because God himself created life. Therefore, it is separate from any other kind of life, which is the very definition of holy. Holy means to be separate from. God is holy because he is separate from everything else. He is perfect. Everything else is imperfect. The life which sustains you and I is holy. Why? Because it has been placed there by God himself. He is the author of life. And then finally, God values human life above all others. I have a very dear friend that lives across the street from me that I would never point this truth out to her because it would just crush her because she loves her dogs, right? She just loves her pets. And that's great. I love Annie too, my little golden doodle. But it's different. The life that sustains her is different than the life that sustains you and me. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, in the creation story, something very profound takes place. You can look at that verse on your own. I'm just going to tell you what happens. In in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, God is looking at his creation and he's like, okay, now for the masterpiece. And he reaches down and he gets some of the dirt, some of the dust of the earth, and he holds it in his hand. And the Bible says that he breathed into the dust. And it became a living human being. The Hebrew word that is used there, the noun or the verb form in breathing is the Hebrew word ruach. Just just as in English, we can use one word and it has multiple meanings, the same is true for Hebrew. And this word ruach, can you all do the That's That's part of Hebrew, okay? Ruach equally means, check this out, this is big, I promise you, this is one of those spiritual truths that you're going to want to hold on to for the rest of your life. Are you ready? Not only does it mean breath, it means spirit. Now, if the truth doesn't immediately come to you, let me help you. What separates you as a human being from any other life is the fact that you were created as spirit. The very Spirit of God breathed life into you. Friends, that truth alone should encourage you. Should really give you a a boost of confidence. And understanding that You are deeply connected to God. By your very creation, there is something that is yearning out to be connected to the Spirit of God. Why? Because you are also Spirit. Now, 
Here's the difference, of course. God is preternal, which means he has always been. There's never been a moment in time when God didn't exist. Well, you, right, you were born. You were conceived and then you were born. And at that point in time, your eternity began. Now, that is an important spiritual truth. That because you are spirit, your spirit will live on after your body dies. And the question is, well, you all know the question. Where's the spirit going to live? So human life has intrinsic value because of the connection to the very spirit of God. Do not hear me say, because if you're hearing this, you're hearing something else, that you are godlike or divine. I am not saying that in any way, shape, or form. Because that's not true. You are a created being, but you are created spirit. That's powerful stuff. And I hope that you will allow that to inform your own opinion of yourself. So if God values human life, you and I have a job. You see, as followers of Christ, as people who are concerned about living out spiritual truth in our lives, then what that means is we have to take that spiritual truth and, how, and figure out how to apply it in our life day to day. This is one of the spiritual truths that's really easy to see the importance of being able to apply it in our lives day to day. I'm just going to make a list of things very quickly here. Are you ready? Abortion. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Capital punishment. Euthanasia. Artificial intelligence. Cloning. You know, now in labs, they can actually create through a cloning procedure an organ, a heart, a liver. I think the liver is what they've done so far. I'd have to do a little more research on that. What about how we treat the elderly in our lives? Are we honoring the fact that they are a valuable life by putting them over here where we don't have to look at them every day? Where we don't have to struggle with the difficulty of figuring out how to take care of them every day? Matter of fact, we just sign that responsibility over to someone else. And I know there are a lot of reasons why in many cases that's the right thing to do because they get the care that they need. I understand that. But to allow this understanding that human life has incredible value, incredible weight, that should impact the way we view these current issues. I'm going to share a little story from my own life that I hope you can use to maybe apply to your life. Growing up in Texas, uh, it was part of being a, a Texan that you supported capital punishment. I mean, it just, that was, 
If you're a conservative and you live in Texas, then you are a proponent of capital punishment. And the other thing that you are is you are pro-life. And I remember the day as a young adult when I started to really think. (laughs) Instead of just take things as they're given to me, right? That I started to really think and say, now wait a minute. If the reason I'm pro-life is because I understand the value of human life, that I believe, just as David said in Psalm 139, that even in the secret place, I wasn't hidden from you. That refers to conception, my friends. That God had his hand in conception, and so therefore I'm strongly pro-life. If I value human life that much, how can I possibly support capital punishment? Do you see what happens when you really allow biblical truth to begin to inform your views, the way you think? Now, I want to propose to you that the way you and I should apply this truth in our life today, because we're dealing with such Hot button issues, right? I mean, man, uh, pro-life, pro-abortion, that whole issue is just so difficult in our day. My tendency is to follow that phrase that you all have heard many times, speak the truth in love, right? Right? And that's a great idea to speak the truth in love. But I'm going to suggest to you that before you speak, you listen. So you may be pro-life. Good for you. You may be someone who is not at that place. Okay, I understand. Talk to me. Let me hear you. Share with me where you are. Instead of responding quickly and sometimes forcefully, even with anger, just close your mouth and listen for once. I'm convinced that if we would allow this truth that God values human life, then we're going to understand that that person across the aisle from me is valued by God. Even though they may believe differently than you or me. So take time to listen. If we would do that, I am so convinced that we would just create new relationships Even if we disagree with each other, we respect each other because we understand that you're created by God. Are you with me in that? Does that that make sense to you? Man, it does to me. I just feel like if our culture could be more about mutual respect and listening to each other, as we apply biblical truths as followers of Jesus, Man, 
the impact that can have in our lives and in others is significant. Would you pray with me for a moment? Father, I am so grateful for an opportunity to share your word today. And my prayer is really quite simple, Father. My prayer is that the truth would sit on each of our hearts and would shape us in a way that causes us to be more like you. Help us to love the people in our lives. Help us to respect each other and understand the intrinsic value that every person in our life has because they have been created by you. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.